Good afternoon and welcome to A Yarn Live, the special series we're running at Talanoa Live, which is all about a future with COVID. And we have special guest of the century for me, because I've never <laughs> interviewed anyone, never interviewed anyone who is such the consummate professional um, doing this. I'm obviously an amateur and uh, enjoy what I do, but it's great to have Neil Walker on the show today. So thank you very much for your time, Neil. Appreciate it. Pleasure. I, I appreciate you uh, reaching out and inviting me to be a part of it. I, I love these, and, and, and it's an opportunity for you to speak and for you to talk about various topics that, you know, previously there wasn't an opportunity to do this type of thing. So it's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Um, you know, reading some of the articles uh, going back to when you first got into broadcasting um, and uh, the reference was, are we allowed? And um, I guess the beauty of this is that it's anyone can set it up and do what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, before we get into the questions around um, what you're doing and the broadcasting, and, and I didn't realise you've been on Multi TV for over a year now. I thought it was just new. Yeah. Um, it. it um, when did I... I started there, and I've never been on Māori television before. Um, I, I, I helped with some uh, presenter training uh, several years ago, but I'd never actually been on Māori television. And, and I didn't ever want to come back into broadcasting was, was the bottom line. I, I'd spent 22 years, you know, anchoring news and interviewing and, and did everything I'd ever dreamed of doing. And, and so the reality is I never wanted to come back. I, I'd etched a new career in the corporate world, and that's that's where I thought my future was actually, and and that it still is, but um, not to the same extent. Well, you you got to follow your own path. That's the advice I give kids these days, right? So, I was a top of the top class geek and forced to do physics, chemistry, and maths, and all I wanted to do was art. But all the bad boys um, did art and they skived off to smoke pot up in the bush and um, didn't want to tell mum or the rector of Otago boys at the time, but that sounded pretty good to me. Um, <laughs> I didn't it, but I was like, well, that sounds kind of all right. So I wasn't allowed to do art, but I eventually left um, left school, went to university with a big degree um, and changed it to design and left after one year and got a job as an art director, won seven awards, did the only work for the All Blacks outside of Saatchi's and Saatchi's. And that was like the epiphany, like, don't listen to anybody else. Yeah. Listen to yourself. So where would that perfect you? I, I love that, that that you took your own path because there is a default um, that we're all encouraged to follow, particularly in this school area. And the school doesn't work for everyone, um, but there's a default. You do this, you do this, and you take these steps. Um I, I, I realized early on that I wanted to make my own path. I wanted to do things my way because I felt in, in all my yearly experience as a primary schooler that, that I could do it a different way and, and still have a, a, some kind of success. Yeah. How naive was that? But I'll tell you what the difference was, and I don't think I've ever spoken about this before, is when I was doing maths and I was, and I was good at the, the basics, multiplication, division, um, but I remember doing some uh, some work in primary school and seeing the teacher. One of the things about me is I'm incredibly observant, and I, whether I bring that up or not at, at any time, I, I, I like to observe to see how I can learn, how I can be better, and it's always been a, a driver for me. And I remember watching the teacher as we went through some uh, maths equations 
look to the back of the book, of the textbook, and I remember seeing this, and when she left the room, I went and had a look at this book, and I saw the answers in the back of the book. And I thought, wait, if this person's teaching us and they need to go to the answers at the back of the book, that means the answers should always be at the back of the book, so do I need to learn this? No. And I started focusing on other things. Well, you know, as it turns out, you still do need to learn those things, but um, that's what sort of drove me in different areas. I thought, if answers are going to be there, do I really need to learn them? Uh, well, that's, that's a really good point. And, um, you know, I've heard some people speak about the point that uh, modern-day schooling was set up for the Third Industrial Revolution, and it was designed for kids to become order takers, hence they learn their arithmetic. And right. the observation was made because the the, the daughter of this person um, was using a scientific calculator and um, said, why do we need to bother learning our you know, 10 times table if we can just use a calculator. And it actually right. goes back even further. Albert Einstein, um, one of the smartest people in history, said, I can't even remember my phone number. Why use brain space to remember something I can look up? And yeah. there you go. And it's, yeah. it's a test, right? It's a test to see who has the capability, but not everyone has that capability. Not everyone is going to be good at maths the same way as not everyone's going to be good at English. Not You know, we've got our own space, and it's identifying where those strengths are for us and building and growing those while at the same time um, strengthening our weaknesses as well. Yeah. So coming back to our focus today, we'll come back to the, because I, I could chat, I've got a few more personal questions as well. Yeah. Um, but let's come back to our COVID focus. So this is a, a yarn live has been renamed Talanoa Live, being a Pacific word um, uh, for a range of reasons, but specifically it's, it means to listen yep. and share with respect. So for all those keyboard warriors out there, uh, this series is aimed to get a diverse range of guests on. And we've got a few of the big names like yourself, um, David Downs earlier this morning, Rabia Hollis tomorrow morning. But we're going to go to small town New Zealand and we're going to get a range of people um, and get a diverse perspective. So if we could ask, what's your five-minute focus? What's the thing that's grabbing you or the observation that you have made or the thing that's grabbed you about COVID? And then after that, I'd like to reflect on some of the um, stories you've covered and look at things, you know, from the disaster perspective of you know, different leaders, um, different observations you've made, perhaps different um, aspects of survivor, victim. I'm not quite sure, but that's what we'll be asking you for some answers on. <laughs> um, I, I think if we're looking at COVID, just off the top of my head, um, you know, when, when, when we had the first lockdown, um, it was new for us. Uh, many of us hadn't experienced that. In fact, the world, uh, I think uh, at the time, you had European uh, countries that were in lockdown. We didn't really fully grasp that until we went into lockdown. And, and many of us at that time, we're struggling to deal with that concept that we couldn't leave our homes. Can we go for walks? And I think at this point, we understand more uh, on what our capabilities are and, and what we're allowed to do, what we shouldn't be doing and what we need to do to protect um, our communities and, and, and our country. I think one of, the, one of the things that's come out is the way we've treated each other. There, there are so many stories around people at supermarkets, for example, um, being incredibly rude to security or being incredibly rude to our frontline staff. This, this is really 
um, without this kind of lockdown, I, I think we probably wouldn't see this kind of behaviour to a large extent. Um, just the being nice. I, I, some people might not like that, but I like the attitude of just be nice. Just be kind to people because there are so many out there that are struggling. There are so many out there that are in worse situations than we are. And I think COVID has enabled so many different things. It's enabled us to, to see what kind of people we become under pressure. It's also shown the kind of people we become when we want to give and help other people who uh, we feel are in more need, like helping with food parcels, helping with finding um, clothing and accommodation for a lot of people. It's also helped a lot of businesses to uh, change and adapt to this new environment. Some haven't been able to last, and that's incredibly sad, but there are some with government help to a certain extent that have been able to thrive and get stronger. There have been some new businesses that have started up because people have thought, you know, this is a new environment now. What can I do to survive? And we all want to survive, right? We all want to be successful to some extent. What do we need to do within our own lives to achieve these goals and to be better people? But the big kind thing, I love that because you can't go far wrong if you just be kind to other people and giving to other people is one of the best things I feel we can do. Yeah, uh, great observation, uh, great set of observations. And, yeah, we're, we're seeing the um, cut of people's jib, basically, and how they're behaving and reacting. And, yeah, I heard a story of someone at a supermarket um, queue spitting on a person, and that was I, – I was just – I was like, if I was standing there, I'd be hard pushed not to bloody scrag that person to the ground or give them a yeah. twack back of the head for that. Like, and then, then what better am I? But um, just, just, so, just infuriated me that someone could be so. It's not even. It's beyond rude because it's like you actually. Yeah, I don't know. It's and, and then and then you have you have the anti-vaxxers, right? And the people that, to to my mind, have a right to be heard. They're not happy, and that's that's okay because we can't vilify them or put them into a category of being dumb or unkind, whatever it is, um, because they have a right. And, and, and I think one of the, um, I, I was interviewing Dr. Rawiri Jensen, when I said, are you frustrated with people who are constantly saying you don't need the vaccination and all this kind of thing? And he said, not really. He said, I think the most important thing is we continue to provide information, scientific information, good information that helps them to make a different kind of decision. And for me, I think it's about our community and what we're doing to try and help our community and our country to survive in this environment. Yeah. So we, we touched on the subject this morning with David Downs, um, and I come to the analogy of Tarzan. So for someone like an anti-vaxxer or um, someone who has a really strange belief, i.e. you tell them the sky's blue and they say, no, it's pink, and you're like, well, it can't be, it's blue. Uh, it's called cognitive dissonance when they can't be, um, uh, not argue, but we'll say argue, argue with logic, right? Yeah. And the, the example I came, I came up with rather than using a real-life one um, was Tarzan. So Tarzan grows up the apes. He doesn't know the world of humans. So if you grow up in a world where you are completely convinced that vaccines are um, bad for you, this, that, whatever, 
then that is all you know. You don't know the other alternative perspective. Right. But it's like anything. Uh, it's like um, arguing who should be um, in the all-black uh, rugby team. One armchair critic says this guy. One armchair critic says that guy. They'll yeah. stick to the guns. That's the perfect point, right? It's like there are a lot of people that sit on the sidelines and say uh, very um, vociferous in their approach and say this is the way it should be. To me, if you're that strong, if you feel that strongly about something, then stand up and put yourself in a position where you can make decisions because it's not an easy position. Uh, if you want to be, uh, if if you want to be a side chair critic or a sideline critic, do that from inside. Stand up and make that decision to be a part of the change that is required. If you're unhappy with what the government's doing, then make a change. Be part of that voice because standing on the sidelines isn't always the most appropriate. I feel the most appropriate way to to deal with things. Absolutely. Um, you know, people get on their soapbox but don't do anything constructive about it. So the back before social media, I remember you used to listen to my parents and as a teenager, you know, you start to have some idea about things. So I'd say, well, why don't you do something? Why don't you run for mayor? Why don't you run for parliament? Why don't you, you know, these ideas are actually really good ideas. It's not just having a real whinge and a moan, they're actually quite valid ideas. Nah, nah, don't want to do that. So, okay. And that and that's it. It's easier, especially with social media, it's easier now to be a troll or be a voice out there and actually not do anything about affecting change. Now, yeah. this is, this is uh, I saw this this morning. My wife sent this to me. It says, man, all these doctors and nurses and microbiologists and immunologists and epidemiologists and other researchers keep saying COVID is dangerous. But all these dudes I went to high school with that barely passed science say it's not dangerous. It's hard to know who to believe anymore. So for me, that sort of sums up. It's like, and one of the problems with social media is the echo chamber that we, we hear about. If I have this out there idea and I want someone to validate that, I go into this echo chamber and I'll have all these other people which can sometimes help me to believe that what I'm thinking is right when it may not necessarily be right. Yeah, absolutely. And hey, look, we've got one now. So I'm going to use this as an example with in due kindness. So this is from um, the YouTube channel, and I have to go and clean this up later potentially. But um, Gloria Miller says, Dr. Charles Hoff, okay, and the first question is, who is Dr. Charles Hoff? Found 62% of patients who received COVID mRNA jab test positive for blood clots. Okay, so which COVID vaccine did they receive? Because there are many. Is it across all of them or one of them in particular? And um, do we know... What, I'm going to tell you because my wife had one of the largest blood clots in uh, history and is a global case study for all medical schools. Um, oh, wow. we, we all have blood clots. We have blood clots in our blood all the time. So what is a, what are we talking about exactly here? And this well, is an well, example. Well, Someone sees yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Whoa, we've got a massive yeah. problem. And yeah. you're right. Who's Dr. Charles? Um, but the other thing to consider also is that we can look negatively at a lot of things and say, we don't want to do this. We, we shouldn't be doing this. But on the other hand, what's the best way to go about things? What's the best thing for our community? What is the best way to keep us safe and healthy? If Is there an alternative? Yeah. And 
and to your point, um, you know, whether it be running for politician, is take that information, that idea, and go to the powers that be, the Ministry of Health or the um, maybe it's the, the police, you know. So let's look at um, up in Northland, and they um, had their own border control in the last lockdown. <laughs> I thought that was really smart. Um, yeah. You know, I, I personally, and I haven't actually asked the question, so I will because I have access to be able to ask the right people the question, when we have a lockdown, why don't they say, go home right now, and the only travel that can be done right now is going home, and that is it. We don't want you to go grocery shopping. We don't want you to leave Auckland and go to Northland or your, your batch or wherever it might be. Um, we don't want you to go from Dunedin to Queenstown to go skiing for the weekend. doesn't matter where you are, um, but don't travel except to go home. Yeah. Because at this point, this is the earliest we've got the ability to stop transmission why let it go on till 11:59 at night why let why let all this other thing stuff go on why not just have this ultimate shutdown so that's my question that i need to go and find an answer for there could be a really important reason um you know maybe it's maybe it's we don't want to upset the people so much that they revolt yeah. Uh, well, what I know is now is the vaccination, in my opinion, from medical experts I've spoken with, and they all seem to be in agreement, the vaccination uh, is the best um, product that we have or antidote to, uh, to COVID at the moment. Um, yeah. And we can look at all sorts of things and people might have had problems here and there, and, and, and nothing's perfect, but is there a better option for us? And, um, you know, I'm not sure what the label of it is, but, you know, decision trees or cascading. Um, but it comes back to the best thing we have at the moment is the vaccine. Um, herd immunity or uh, organic immunity is the best, but you have to risk dying to gain it. But essentially, both those two methods give you antibodies. Um, but as we now know, um, well, we've always known, if you look at the flu, every year we get the flu. A vaccine, um, or you, it's optional, you may not, but the flu vaccine has the four most common um, strains for that year. Therefore, right. it's mutated more than four times, but the four worst or the four most um, popular, if you will, are the ones that get put into a vaccine. So for those that question, how come it took for, if we had the Spanish flu in 1918, and the first flu was in 1930, uh, first vaccine was 1930, and the vaccine was available in mass in 1945, how could they make one in a year for COVID now? And it's like, well, A, there's a whole hundred year difference. Um, B, or a 70 years difference. B, they make a new, flex, a new flu vaccine every year. Yeah. So that's, Look, that's where we are in current day. So and I'm not an expert. Join the dots on some of these points. And I'm not an expert. I'm not a follower. I have questions and I still have questions. But from what I understand, this is the best way to fight yeah. COVID and to keep uh, to keep our community and our country safe. Yeah. So thinking back to your days um, as the anchor or roving reporter, um, current affairs, what stories did you cover that um, sort of popped to mind or give you, you know, memories uh, where you draw parallels between different parts or or any aspects like that? Um, specifically, there are so many stories I covered. Um, 
I got also thrust into the front of the camera quite early. And so I needed to go and work. I needed to, to work extra time so I could continue to get out into the field. I got to, um, because I've got a sports background, I got put into sports stuff a lot. And one of the things that was actually a help for me was uh, Fronty Mind Sports Show at TV3 in the early days. Um, because I, I don't think I was very good at television. It, it took me a little while to understand what it was. And um, the the great late um, Philip Sherry, um, I had the opportunity to work with him. And, and I said to him, I'm not sure I'm understanding what television is because I've come from radio. I'm not sure I understand what television is. And he said, just be yourself with a slight performance. And, and, and I understood that because without that slight level of performance, you actually look flat. You know, you, 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 what you're doing looks flat if you're just doing normal stuff. So you have to elevate that, but you've got to be yourself. And that takes a little while to be yourself. It's like, what is myself? And because I started really early, I struggled with the who am I, you know, um, and and so because I got put in front of the camera early, I focused a lot of, I'm not the best reporter, I'm okay, but I focused more of my attention on the front stuff because that was where um, everyone, reporters, producers, it doesn't matter who wants to be on the front. So I figured that I've got to focus more on that element and see how I can become better and if this is the path that I'm really going to go on, are they seeing something? Because in the first six months of uh, TV3, we went into receivership. Uh, and a lot of people lost their jobs. I was very fortunate to, to hold on to my job. And so I felt I had a responsibility to be better and to not take that kind of thing for granted because any one of us could have gone at any time. And so I just worked on craft and how I could get better the slightest things and what I do every time I came off air. I know this doesn't really answer the question, but when I come off air, I would look at myself almost every night and I'd look at myself with no sound and to see if I'm doing little yeah. silly things. And then I'd, then I'd listen to it and I'd figure out how I can be better all the time. And I did that over 20 years. <laughs> this is this is amazing right so i love that um uh be yourself but with a little bit of performance um i've never described it so perfectly well but i've tried to say that to other people so when i have people on they're like they've done it before and they're like, oh what do i do what do i do and i say you've got to protect your voice you've got to you know when you make a point don't just don't just say it make it with every movement you give right so that's that performance but you know uh, turning the volume up a little bit and um the other clue I give to people is to record themselves on video and then watch it back. So, yeah, yeah. but I hadn't, hadn't thought of doing it silently. But um, when I did that, I definitely picked up all these funny things I did and went, remember, yeah. don't do this. Remember, don't do that. Remember, remember, don't pick your nose because you're actually on camera. Yeah, and sometimes, you, sometimes you, can, you can be like this and just you don't realise that your eye's twitching because it's a habit that you do off screen. And that's the performance level as well. You've got to focus on what you're doing when you're on camera. And then sometimes just leaning your head, all of a sudden you're doing this all the time and you get known. So, you know, when they used to take, um, do those parodies of, of front people yeah. and they could do Judy Bailey, you know, just a beautiful, well-spoken and you knew it was Judy Bailey straight away. Yes. And they took off different people and they said to me, we can't, 
we don't know how to imitate you. And I said, what do you mean? They said, because there's no little idiosyncrasies that you have, like there's not this head lean or, and I, I was flattered because it means that I was heading in the right direction. But again, there's nothing that was obvious. So what they did, because I had a martial arts background, they they put a news anchor on air with a tooth missing and a black eye and a, and a, and a gi on, a martial arts gi. Um, yeah. And that was the way they were able to imitate me. Well, I but always remember just, you. I always remember you having the. Um, it's quite popular again now, but you had the almost like the mullet with the curly hair on the top <laughs> and on the back, um, and it was like a um, you know a, a tight crop. It wasn't long, crazy, but still on the side. I remember because this is the question I was going to ask you. Do you still have the glasses with the silver um, metal across the top? Because oh, I'm, I'm yeah. sure you used to lean on the side and look at people <laughs> like the almost like the one eyed pirate, like. So, you know, <laughs> especially when you're doing the, like, making the, in the sports shows. So what about it, that? What about that tackle? Yeah. It took me a, a long time to admit that I probably needed glasses. And I was um, every year at TVNZ, they'd, they'd change the studio a little bit. And I think most years, we'd, we'd arrive back, but no one actually talked to us. And I found that the camera was a little bit further um, back than I was used to. And I was going... This is more difficult for me to see. And we had an amazing um, wardrobe people, a husband and wife team. Um, and they said, do you want to, you should try getting eyes tested. I went, eyes tested. Um, and then I did. And it was like, as with everybody that has an eye test, that probably requires some kind of glass, glassware. Um, the world seemed to be, gained, I, I gained much more clarity. Uh, everywhere and it was amazing like I, it's not so bad but just the difference it made and I found that I didn't need to I was starting to squint a little bit when I was reading and this is one of the oh the other thing we were talking about when we were talking about projecting voices I remember coming from radio at that time you were taught to project your voice a lot and coming into television I had to pull that back because the camera was way over there and so I was projecting to the camera and I, had, I was thinking, this is not wrong. And I'd look back at myself and i go, this, this doesn't seem to work properly. And so I realized that I've got a mic, a mic lapel, a lapel mic. And so I don't need to throw it there. I just need to talk to this. And so I had to bring my voice back. But as you say, it is a performance level. And the other thing that um, I, I learned when I, in, in my years in radio was that I always keep one can off, one, one earphone off and one on. Because two on gives you a sort of a unrealistic um, sound of what you uh, um, are coming out uh, over the airways. And so I'd always keep one off so I can hear myself talk properly so I could talk normally, if you like. Otherwise, you hear this and you're going, oh, my goodness, that sounds really amazing. And uh, it's not really. It's mainly because you've got two big cans on your ears and you, you hear the, the sound amplified. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> well, well, um, yeah, no, no, it's all right. Well, I, I have, I have a nickname, um, and it, it, for a reason. And um, as a kid growing up, I was very loud, and I still am very loud. Like if, if we're at events, um, people will say, "Hey, Ryan, no one's listening. We're trying to call them back in from lunch. Can you, uh -huh. so, um, you know, put on a voice?" And quite often, people within the first five meter radius will visibly jump. Really? Um, so, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so if I if I was to do it now for everyone, just be careful. I don't know how it will come across, but excuse me, everybody, if I get your attention for a moment, thank you very much. 
Wow. <laughs> and then you can bring it down a level. But when people aren't expecting it, and suddenly, like, boom, especially in you know conference rooms at a hotel where it's like a complete yeah. box. That's good, man. Yeah, I, I can't. I struggle to do that. I, I that's that's really good. It's powerful. Right? You got a powerful <laughs> voice. Yes, good for it, the rugby, especially if you support Otago. But that's another story. Yeah. We're just coming up on time, so we'll get you back to work. Um, so at the moment, you your Coca Cola. No, I. I I, I do some consulting to a few organizations now. Um, I, I found that when I went to Māori Television, um, there was something that happened. Um, I, I said to Coke at the time, I said, look, it's not going to be a big deal if I go and do this. Um, no one's going to pay any attention to this old guy, and they'll just go, oh, yeah, he's back in television or whatever. But then it sort of blew up for some reason over that period of time, um, and I was in... Um, uh, media in so many different places and articles that I was coming back to television, and I re it really threw me. And I and I went to my boss and I went, sorry, I just had no idea that that was going to happen, and I didn't think there would be that much interest. And, I, and and I'm flattered that that anyone was even interested in me going back. So I went back to I went to Maori Television, and I went back for one reason. Uh, Arana Taumata was the head of news and current affairs, and we just kept talking. We just kept talking, and I thought, okay, if if, if we want to make a change, then then let's see what this looks like. And I realised that I was over capacity in, in my work, and I couldn't do both because they're both fairly full on jobs. So pulled away from Coke, but I do consult back um, over a couple of things, and. So I'm pretty much there as well as um, do some other work as well, um, looking at doing programs that I'd always wanted to do prior to leaving. Um, I oh, thought wow. I'm back now to make the most of it and do what I've always wanted to do in that space and do it my way because I've been out of that media bubble for 10 years and I saw it, it gives you a different perspective, you know, and being in the corporate world, it shows you a whole different world going on that I never realized existed. You know, it's an opportunity to see people in this incredibly hard workers. The, the people I work with at Coca-Cola Amateur are some of the best people I've ever worked with. Dynamic, hardworking, super smart. And it was about learning as much as I can from them because I was with General Motors for five years prior to that. And so, I, you know, I felt, I felt um, privileged to have had that kind of experience and a senior manager and to have a and to have a team which I've never had the opportunity to do while well I was in media. So I had gained all this experience, which I love, and I loved it because it showed, opened up my mind because I felt my mind was getting a little bit fatigued for not learning as much, and, and, and I was forced to start learning. I went back to university and... and did so many um, courses and so forth to help me to understand what this was about because I thought I can't fail here and it gave me incentive and drive and, and I just worked really hard to to understand what business was about in this business world because I'd only seen it from the media perspective and you really don't understand how difficult it is until you've been in there. You just don't, as a journalist, you can interview people, you you talk with various people, but you really don't have that perspective until you've been inside organisations, especially two globals, 
and seeing how they work and just absorbing as much information as possible. I wasn't trying to be a hero. I was just trying to learn and I was just trying to, to be better and pick up the best points that I could and, and um, understanding that vulnerability is okay, especially in the workplace. If you feel comfortable in the workplace, it's all right to be vulnerable. It's all right to admit that I might, might not have done that quite well. I want to I want to be better next time. And just all this type of thing. Whereas in media, I felt that especially when you're in the top top echelon, you're just fighting survival for survival all the time. And you don't have a lot of friends because <laughs> everyone wants to be in that position. Yeah. Um, and then people are making decisions around you that sometimes I don't know if they're qualified to make, but they're in a position to make decisions, you know? So I was in a position where I could corporate make corporate media at that point? What's that? <laughs> so you're talking about corporate or media at that point? Well, that like part was being media. In a, in a position to make decisions, even though they're probably not qualified to. Um, oh, I think you get that everywhere, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you come across people all the time that you're, 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 you're suggesting or you're thinking... How did you get that job? But then you, that's what you've got to work with and you can learn from it and and learning to work with your teams and trying to uh, help your team to be the best and bring out their best. You know, I, I loved that opportunity, which I've never had previously and been given responsibilities that I've never had previously. All you were, you get pigeonholed. And so it was the opportunity to learn and grow and really stimulate any kind of brain power that you might have had that's been sort of a little bit dormant for a while. Yeah, I can I can understand that. Um, not so much from my um, broadcast journalism career, but more <laughs> from my, more from my events management career. So AFQI, this is actually the media wall for the events behind me. That's making the studio. Um, and yeah, having worked in the sales and marketing and had some um, at times heavy roles, you sort of when you're just managing events and setting up a time for people to meet and making sure everyone turns up at the same place at the same time and there's there's drinks and food there. Sometimes you do go, I'm a bit fucking over this. <laughs> <laughs> Every, yeah. Every everybody anybody will probably have that moment at some point. So um, so yeah, you do. And look for reading people and. What motivates people and how can you get the best out of people and enjoying the, the opportunity to help people grow. I, I loved that aspect. I loved um, teaching because I was the network trainer and, and reporter at TV3 for four years. So I really got in the nuts and bolts and that also helped me to be better as well. Yeah. Yes. From well, from coaching kids rugby through to doing LinkedIn training or Same actually in-person networking training. Um, yeah. Yes, seeing people get something that they weren't, or even if they said they'd never do it before. Like I remember I had one kid I coached and I asked them at the beginning, every every team at the beginning of the season, get them all together, what do you want out of rugby? Do you want to go be an all-black one day or do you just want to hang out with your mates and play rugby? Yeah. And all these kids would look at their feet and go, I was like, right, so you want to be an all black, but you're not going to say it. And um, and I said to this, I said to this one kid, I said, why do you not think you'll ever be an all black? And um, what, what, you know, why do you think you can't be? And uh, uh, I don't know if I can actually say what he said on air, um, but I, I'll say <laughs> it with with a caveat. That's what he said. Um, he said because I'm white, 
and he was this tall, skinny kid who turned up with long hair, round glasses, and a violin case. And you would have looked at him and gone, yeah, mate, you're going to get snapped out there. He ended up becoming first 15 in his sixth form and seventh form um, at Auckland Grammar. And I think he's, I don't know where he's going on to, but. I thought you were going to say it was Ricky McCall. No. He's from (laughs) Daniel. Yeah. He went to school. He went to the school I went to a couple of years years behind me. Yeah. Isn't he from Canterbury? No, he's from Kurao. Um, So Kurao is actually part of Otago, um, Mount Cook. Um, But yes, some, 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 well, don't want to drop. My beloved Josh Cromfeld on it, but Josh said no, he'll never make it as a um, international number seven. So a target down. Um, and that's what I've heard. It could be completely wrong. Josh is out there <laughs> waiting for the tackle me. Um, if uh, yes, yeah, so I turn him down. That's why Canterbury picked him up because they saw the potential in him. So, yeah, but, but but sometimes that's the way it is, right? I mean, Michael Jordan is the typical example. It's like you're not good enough, and he goes. And that makes that, that can either drive someone or it can make them sit down and be what people think they are. No one ever, the people thought that I was going to fail so many times is unbelievable growing up because I, I was on my own path and they just said, you're never going to make it. You're going to end up in jail. You just, they just said all these things. And so I, I believed it to some extent. And I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm going to show you that. I'm going to work my way to be better. But that doesn't, you know, that doesn't, and I'm very fortunate that I've had some really amazing people along the way that have helped me. And that's what it's about too, you know. Some people don't believe in you. I don't know if anyone's ever said this to you, but your story sounds like a um, really good role model story for a lot of the rangatahi um, of all ethnicities across New Zealand. Um, Oops. Uh, All kids. Because, yeah, I mean, I, I use the example when I was a kid, the NASA space shuttle blew up. And I remember thinking about it and going, why bother? Well, I live in Dunedin, New Zealand. I don't live in America. Yeah. We'll never have anything to do with space. Now look at New Zealand. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think uh, it's... Rocket lab. Well, yeah. Um, and SpaceX, uh, not SpaceX, it's Elon Musk. There's a, um, a couple of other aeronautical yeah. uh, operations as well. But, um, hey, look... Let's start thinking about wrapping up and getting you back. We're 10 minutes over, so you're probably meant to be at a meeting somewhere. Um, hopefully, we're not holding you up. But the, no. the thing I'll leave you with, I'll follow you up with this, but I'll say it on say it on here, is that I think you've got a, a great story um, to, to role model for kids that I don't know I've even seen out in public, so um, something for you to think about. But as always, closing remarks, COVID, what do you got for us? I think we touched on it before. Um, you know, if, if we want to affect change, if we don't agree with what what's happening and the decisions that are being made for our country, then we have to affect change. We can't just... I, I don't feel it's the right thing to be yelling from the sidelines and not putting skin in the game. I think we need to do that because uh, I've seen some really harsh comments uh, based around the government. Now, to be honest, and government might not like this either, I don't support any party and people people generally hate that it's like if you're not religious people go you have to be religious in some some way i don't support a party i support people and if people that i've gotten to know in government or on the opposition benches if i like them then that's what i support i support good people 
Now, if the government of our country is saying this is what we believe through our experts um, to be the right way to do things, then I'm of the opinion that we need to support the government that we've put into power, no matter which government it is, no matter which party it is. And if a government says, you know, we don't like lockdowns, although to be honest, when I go into work and I'm on the motorway, it's kind of nice not having a million cars out there as well. But there are people that are uh, in hardship. And if the government wants us to, to be a certain way because the intention is for things to be better for us, then I, I will agree with that and I'll go along with that. It doesn't mean that I'll go in blindly because I'll still question and I'll still look at and research different bits of information, but I won't. I won't do that to fit my thinking. I'll do that in, in more of a, um, a clear way so that I can get the best results for what I want. Yeah. And if I don't agree with any of this and what the government's doing, then it's up to me to make that change. It's up to me to take them out of power. It's up to me. Is there a better option? Is something else going to happen? But I think that's up to me rather than yelling from the sidelines because I think this is the way to go. If this is the best way, then I think one of the most important things around this time is to be kind to people, to give due um, um, thought and love and aroha to the frontline workers, those that are working at the supermarket, those on security, who, you know, those frontliners are in the way of COVID and potential um, transmissions all the time. And so I appreciate them and what they do. And I think that one of the most important things we can do over this time, until this whole global pandemic is somehow sorted, I think it's important to just look after each other in a nice way. Beautiful. Thank you very much. That's a great rundown. Uh, so three key points I, I picked up were, um, I guess, sounds the wrong way of putting it, but toe the line. Um, do this, do what everyone's got to do. And if you don't uh, believe in it or appreciate it, that's fine. You're more than welcome to. But don't scream from the sidelines. Do the appropriate thing. Talk to the government. Lobby the government. Talk to your PM. Uh, MP, uh, whatever the path is that you need to to get yourself heard to affect the positive change and um, to um, be aware and look out for the frontliners who are putting themselves at the front line and in danger for us and overall be, well, that's for actually, be kind. So yeah. thank you very much, Neil Walker. It's been a pleasure having you on board and um, I'll certainly be in touch after this. So thank you once again and um, say kakitiano to everyone out there. Kakite. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Nice talking to you.